Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. We are covering election results today. Those that have come in, those that are still yet to be called. The most recent update uh, is that uh, Wisconsin is being called for former Vice President Joe Biden. Joe Biden wins Wisconsin is the projection right now. And that slightly narrows the options available to President Trump to secure at least the 270 electoral votes he needs to retain the White House. This is going to uh, drag on throughout the day if we're lucky uh, and maybe you know, throughout the rest of the week and even beyond. We'll have to see. And right here at KSL News Radio, we'll do our utmost to make sure that you have all of the updated information. One race that we are continuing to follow, of course, is Arizona. 11 electoral votes up for grabs there. Interestingly, Fox News and the Associated Press have both called that for uh, Joe Biden. But uh, there are other outlets and the campaigns themselves that uh, are saying, "Eh, you know, it might be a little early. Uh, It might be a little early to decide that one with so many votes still uncounted and outstanding. We'll continue to follow that one. Any movement, you'll hear about it here first on KSL News Radio. Joining me now, joining me now is Utah's second congressional district member of Congress, Chris Stewart. Uh, Congressman, sir, how are you? Uh, great to be with you, Lee. Thank you. Uh, you last night uh, enjoyed a victory yourself. You were in a race with uh, Democratic challenger Kel Weston. Uh, you came away with uh, just over 61, almost 62 percent of the vote. So congratulations are in order. How do you feel? Well, thank you. And like a lot of people, we feel mixed, uh, a lot of mixed emotions. Uh, obviously, we're glad that my race is over. We're relieved uh, and we worked hard and you kind, kind of take breath there there. But like everyone in the country, I mean, our eyes are just focused almost entirely on the president's race. Uh, I think we keep the Senate. That's great news. Uh, we got to have that firewall in case Vice President Biden wins. But, uh, but again, we fixate on the president and hope that the, the president uh, can, can find a pathway to victory. It's not impossible at this point at all. Do you have any predictions? How do you see this playing out? You know, I've always said that I thought the president would win, and then last night was interesting because, I mean, one minute I'm certain he'll win, and a half hour later I'm like, man, I don't know. And then a half hour after that, you're back to thinking he's going to win. I just don't think we know at this point. Uh, I talked with uh, some leadership in D.C. this morning, and there's a very clear pathway where they think they can win in Arizona and win in Pennsylvania. And I think I think that's absolutely true. Uh, but, but, but again, we just don't know. We're like everyone, just kind of waiting. Uh, Arizona, you may have heard me mention that there are some outlets who have called that race already and are saying that Joe Biden is the victor of Arizona and it's 11 electoral votes. Do do you believe do you believe they're wrong? Is it possible that Trump has actually secured more votes there in the state? Well, it's absolutely possible. And, you know, it was it was curious to to many of us last night when uh, Fox and, and, and others, although they were the lead, they you know, they called Arizona really, really early. When they wouldn't call, you know, Georgia, North Carolina, and and some of the others that uh, you know had a much higher percentage of the vote in, 
And they were challenged on that, and their uh, their election desk defended that. But it, it might be that they just made a mistake, and I'll tell you what. Even if they don't make a mistake in the actual outcome, I think they made a mistake in announcing it so early because, uh, you know, it, it, it had a deflating effect. And that's what you want to avoid in, in situations of very close race where people around the country are watching and millions of them have not voted yet. Arizona's polls shot relatively early compared to other Western states. And, uh, and to call, if you're, if you're absolutely confident, but if there's any question at all, I think you got to hold your hold your powder, and and uh, they may regret making that early call. I, I hadn't considered that, and in fact, I'll have to go back and and look at the timing. Uh, unless you can remind me of exactly the timeline of events last night, but to call uh, to call a race in one time zone of the country where elsewhere voting is still taking place, I can see very easily how that could be uh, have an influencing effect. In fact, just yesterday, we spent some time uh, combing through some historical text and uh, discovered the reason why there is only one election day today. And it is because, you know, in years, years past, uh, there was an election season where votes could be cast uh, at any time within a window of time. But then as transportation and communication advanced, there were uh, votes being counted in one half of the country, that information would travel to the other half of the country and have a great impact on the election. That makes sense, that rationale you present. Well, and it does make sense, and it's fairly obvious on its face. If you are in a very, very tight race and you hear that an important state like Arizona, with a significant number of electoral votes in it, is called in one for one candidate or the other, that impacts your decision to maybe go wait in line and to stay in line for two or three hours like some had to do. And, you know, to that point as well, Lee, there is this, and that is to say I'm disappointed in polling in, in this race is beyond description. And, and they, look, they messed it up in 2016. I get it. Maybe make a mistake. But you can't do that twice, and they've done it twice now. I mean, there's no question. I mean, uh, two days ago, everyone was predicting a Biden victory and probably a Biden landslide. And uh, that they probably take the Democrats to take the Senate and pick up five to 20 House seats. And we know that's not true. And, and I wonder if, you know, pollsters have just decided, look, we're willing to get it wrong if we can manipulate uh, if we can manipulate the vote. And, and I think that's a very uh, that's a, a concern that's got to be addressed is the, the, no question. It, it manipulates and changes votes when for two years pollsters tell us, yeah, there's no way that Trump is going to win. They tell Americans that again and again and again, and then it turned out they were wrong. And just like in 2016, they just botched it. Fool me once, they say. Uh, I, I I can't help but share those thoughts. And I wonder to what uh, extent uh, folks might need to go to to remedy what is, uh, you know, at the least uh, inaccuracy, gross, uh, almost, uh, you know, abusive inaccuracy, or, you know, in the most cynical extreme, uh, you know, a, a concerted effort to disrupt things maybe inappropriately. Does there does there become uh, appropriate a conversation to be had amongst members of Congress and this polling industry? Well, there's a, there's a number of conversations got to be had. And like I said, you, you, you miss it once. I get it. President Trump was a disrupted candidate. It was hard to call 2016. Maybe that's just true. But you can't blow it twice like that. They're not that stupid. They're not incompetent. And at that point, you have to ask, maybe they just made a decision. Again, let's just tell the American people for two years that Trump's going to lose. And you have to ask the same question of big tech. I mean, the fact that you've got such a one-sided thumb on the scale for big tech, 
and and the media generally. I mean, look, I support a free media. I know that you do. Of course you do. All of us do. But it's got to be responsible and it's got to be accurate. And we've lost that. If If we've learned nothing from the last four years from Russia collusion on, it's the media has many of them have decided we're just not going to tell people the truth. Let's move uh, our, our conversation over to the House of Representatives. There was expected to be an increase in the majority enjoyed by Democrats. Uh, what is thus far proving to be reality is a net gain of, of five seats thus far for Republicans in the House. What does that do? What is that uh, you know missed expectation in the House due to the tone there? That's actually a great question. I mean, we were told we'd lose between five and 20 seats. We're actually up to seven now. And there are a, a Republican gain of seven, and there are 11 that are toss-ups, of which uh, more than half of them are ahead. And I, I think Speaker Pelosi is going to have a real challenge in that she's going to have a razor-thin majority. And she's got her extreme left, the Socialists, the AOC squad, and others who won't support her on many things. In fact, won't su- will only support her on very few things. And I don't know how she governs if she has a seven or 10 seat majority and she's got more than a dozen or 15 of her own members who won't vote with her, won't support her on things. It'll be interesting to see how she manages that, but it's going to be incredibly difficult. And the good news is it allows Republicans a little bit of leverage because she may she may find herself reaching out to, you know, the Republicans and saying, well, you guys work with me since so many on her own left will not. Once we get the elections behind us, uh, do we get a, a stimulus package done? Yeah, probably. Uh, it's not going to be the $2.2 trillion ridiculous package that Speaker Pelosi has been pushing for three months. But uh, and, and by the way, I, I try not to call it stimulus. I call it rescue because sure. it really is a rescue package. Right. But I think there's consensus that we need to help small businesses, need to help schools, probably need to help our airlines. Uh, Congressman Stewart, uh, Victor, in your race representing Utah's 2nd Congressional District last night, thank you so much for your time uh, and for your service in Congress. Thank you so much, Lee. Appreciate it. We'll take a break here, uh, and when we return, we'll be speaking with Derek Brown, chair of the Utah Republican Party. We'll also welcome Scott Howell to the program. We're going to spend 20 minutes, 20 straight minutes, uninterrupted on the 2020 election after the break here on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.